0: Welcome to the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek for Wednesday, January 13th. I'm Caroline Gonzalez, your host on today's show, and on today's episode, we have two extraordinary interviews in store for you. First, we have Branford Marsalis. If you don't know who he is, and you're from New Orleans, don't ever tell that to anyone. (laughs) If you're not from New Orleans and you don't know who he is, you need to look him up. Still shame on you because he is part of the first family of jazz here in New Orleans. His father and brothers have deep, deep roots in Louisiana, in New Orleans music, and Branford himself is a three-time Grammy Award winner and, oh, by the way, a huge Saints and Pelicans fan. If you follow him on social media, you see him commenting on game days. It's always great to see his Uh, commentary on game day. So we'll get to know a little bit more about Branford in his interview. Uh, My co-host John DeShazer gets a little fanboy, which I have never seen before, but uh, nevertheless Mm. a great conversation with Branford. Then I will chat with Saints legend and Hall of Famer Lance Moore to get some insight and expert analysis on what the Saints are focused on heading into this weekend against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right. Enough setup for me. Let's go ahead and kick things off with Branford Marsalis.
1: Now joining us on the New Orleans Saints podcast, one of my favorites. So I'm, I'm a little bit jittery today because I don't know how to handle my emotions here. I'm, I'm a guy who really needs no, no introduction. He really does not. But for the sake of you all who don't know, Branford Marsalis uh, is a member of the First Family of New Orleans Music. Uh, and more than that, an award-winning—and when I say award-winning, I emphasize award-winning saxophonist. Um, Brent, welcome to the podcast. Uh, a pleasure to have you. And and my apologies for not inviting you earlier.
2: Oh man, come on! No, it's not a problem. <laughs> I've en- I've enjoyed the podcast. Uh, you know, I watch. I don't. You know, it's just. I'm. Um, thanks for inviting me. This is great. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, anyway, I don't. You
0: know, you go ahead, go ahead,
1: Diddy. Yeah, we, we had to invite you because we know how much of a Saints fan you are, we know how much of a Pelicans fan you are, we know how much of a New Orleans fan you are. So, um, waiting this late in the season again, you know, but you know what, we always save the best for later, right? You know,
2: that works, that works.
0: Well, J.D. was so excited to have you on. I have to admit, like, I, I have never seen him this excited for an interview. So when he says he's a little jittery, uh, that is absolutely <laughs> true. Uh, but, Brantford, we are obviously excited to have you on the show. But, you know, you tweet throughout these these Saints games. <laughs> and we need to know, like, what is your game day setup? Like, do you have, like, some lucky rabbit foot that you rub during the game? No. Like, you know what things look like on your Saints game day?
2: Uh, you know, I, I think – Uh, being a really sad athlete growing up (laughs) really helps me. I I have a different mindset about all of that.
0: Yeah.
2: Like when I, like when I'm sitting, I live in in North Carolina now. So I'm sitting in the barbershop. They knew I was coming down. And then one of the guys says, well, man, how come they're not starting James? And I said, well, we as fans have the benefit of seeing a team once a week. They have the benefit of seeing all the players every day for months, so they must have a legitimate reason for not playing him, or they'd be playing him. Because last I checked, they are trying to win. So, with that mindset, I I, I sit on sit on the couch and check out the game. I don't even know why I started doing that. with The Twitter thing—it just was—it was, it was just this idea like something happened, and I just started. It was almost like I was. It was almost like it was a diary, because I didn't. I just think I don't really use hashtags or none of that. It was just kind of like, it's kind of like playing jazz. You know, you play it, and you say, well, man, most people don't know what this is, but you know, the ones that will hear it and like it, then they know. And that's, that's enough.
0: Yeah. That's how I approach my tweets. Like usually people don't care about them, but I'm going to put it out in the world just to make myself feel a little bit better about it. There, there um, you go. But let's go all the way back. You know, sometimes there's not. I went to Loyola, which is obviously a liberal arts school, um, and oftentimes I saw that there wasn't much crossover between the music students and the athletes, and they kind of just one doesn't have a respect for the other, the other doesn't have respect for the other, and you know that's not necessarily always the case. So, how did your love for the New Orleans Saints, obviously being you know from New Orleans, start?
2: Um. The Saints first season was 1967. My dad was a piano player with Al Hertz band. And thankfully they hired Al Hertz band to play on the sidelines at all of the home games, which I think at that time was seven. I think it was a 14 game season.
0: Yep.
2: And uh, we were at every game. We had passes. Uh, I'd never seen human beings that big before. As a matter of fact, there's this one great thing that happened. My dad, uh, they, we went into the locker room. He says, you guys wanna go in the locker room? I'm seven. I'm like, yeah, let's go in the locker room. And I walked in and there were all these naked men and I turned around and my face was, I, I can't, face to ass with Doug <laughs> Watkins' ass. And Doug Watkins was this guy who played his best year for the Chicago Bears, he's like six, seven. So I saw his ass and I just, ah, and I ran out of the room and I wouldn't go back in. So that was my, that was my introduction to the, to the New Orleans Saints. And we've been fans, I mean, forever. We've, uh, from that point forward, like I, they only played, I think it was, that was the only year that they played on the sidelines. Maybe an additional year, but I don't really remember that. I remember that very first year. I remember seeing John Gillum. They played the Los Angeles Rams first game. John Gillum ran back the 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 initial kickoff, the inaugural kickoff. He ran it back for a touchdown, and everybody's like, "Yeah, we're gonna win!" And we lost that game forty-two to seven. <laughs> but the first thing we saw was a was a Saints touchdown, and then it, it was just weeks later. We still waited. We still savored that first <laughs> touchdown.
0: Well, thank God for Doug Atkins backside. That's all I can say.
1: Yeah. yeah, right. That
2: was something, boy. That was
0: woo.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't want to imagine. you know, you know Brantford, she tried to stump me with, with that fact one time and you know, shamelessly I beat her down with it because I knew that John Gilliam did uh return that kickoff. Um you yeah. referenced your dad, you know, the legendary Ellis Martel Marcellus, am obviously um deceased now, but a member of my fraternity. So, you know. There you go. Yep. Right here, <laughs> but, but but before we get into more football, I'm gonna embarrass you here a little bit because you know when, when we've got somebody like this, I like to read off a little bit of the resume stuff, so. Oh Lord. Grammy Award, 2001.
0: Strap in. Honorary
1: Doctor of Music in 06 from Berkeley College I need, I, of Music.
2: I need a bourbon, <laughs> I should have brought some. I'd be fine with it then.
1: Drama Desk Award in 2010 for Outstanding Music and a Play and nominated in 2010 for a Tony Award for Best Original Score, written for theater. Fences, The Plate, which I went to see the movie with Denzel. Right. And I'll skip the rest of it because I got to get to the good stuff. Good. Sax Solo on Fight the Power, Public Enemy. Yeah. And of course, the Sax Solo in the middle of I Love Your Smile by Shanice. Yeah. Caroline, you know anything about that, Shanice?
0: No, she's but I'd like to. She's a young
1: she
2: don't know that stuff.
1: Shanice, like in the like in the middle of the song, you know, screams out, you know, blow Branford, blow. So that, you know, that's one of the iconic lines in the movie. Okay, so now we're past that. We're, you know, Much
2: to my consternation. I asked the producer <laughs> to let her do that. And he said, It won't happen. And as soon as I left, he said, Okay, say it.
0: <laughs> Wait, <laughs> so I need to- I need to paint the scene of what just happened because JD is beaming, smiling, <laughs> reading off Brantford's accolades and Brantford's like checking his text messages. Yeah, he's checking like, his text. Yes, yeah. You know,
1: <laughs> so. yeah, you know, I had a part in school days, but I'm not gonna acknowledge that, yeah,
2: oh, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: But but Brantford, Brantford, this football thing, you know, how, you know, when you're on the road, you know, not that I guess maybe not as much this year, but how do you keep track of the Saints when you're on the road?
2: sunday ticket baby nfl sunday ticket i bring them to the gigs that people think we're crazy you know if we have a gig on a sunday and the gigs at five or six or seven something like that i go way early and say y'all got internet right great and i set up my you know ipad and get all my stuff together get my speakers in and i'm checking it out
1: yeah. if you look through the same years yeah. I guess the Super Bowl year obviously always stands out and you mentioned the first year but are there any other years that just kind of jump out for you where you say you know there was something happened memorable that makes the season stand out?
2: I mean the dome patrol years were great and uh, I was selling programs in 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 the Superdome back then and uh uh yeah I was right before I moved up east and uh they were just exciting man I mean there's certain times you know when 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 Bobby Abare started it was like we would always have like this great defense and an okay offense or like this great offense and an okay defense but the Bobby Eba years were great uh then it was that well that that year that uh, they they were playing in the in the playoffs it jumped out to that big lead against the Eagles and somehow found to found a way to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory which is a mantra of the Saints from 1967 to like 2006. It was like, how are they gonna lose today? How's it gonna happen? And we would sit there and say it, oh, they up by 20, well, you know what's gonna happen. They just had one on TV not long ago against the, the, the Niners. The score was 35 to seven at half and we lost the damn game. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's part of the thing. I mean, you know, you don't give up on your team though. No. I moved to New York, I watched them boot the Giants. I'm like, y'all are crazy. <laughs> Y'all booing the team? We've been losing forever, and we love our team. What's wrong with you people? Oh, shut up! <laughs> the Saints suck. Uh, so what? We love them. That's our team. You know, and now we're we're, we're incorrigible. Now, people, they see the logo. I mean, our my favorite, I guess my favorite Saints moment was uh, when the Saints were going to the Super Bowl. I wanted to be in New Orleans. I didn't want to go to Miami. And I said it in this interview, they said, "Well, what are you gonna do if we go to two? I said, I'm going to New Orleans, I'm gonna be with my friends from college and we are gonna cook up some rabbit stew and act the damn food and the Saints are gonna win and we're gonna have a great time. And I was making the connection from Raleigh to Atlanta and Atlanta to uh, New Orleans and they all going to the gate to Miami. So all you hear is like, who that, who that, who that, who that? And this guy from Atlanta says, i will be glad when y'all get the hell out of Atlanta. I'm so sick of this, who that? <laughs> that was like my favorite moment the disgust on his face I was like yeah you're right bro just live with it man you know one day you might get lucky and then they hit their shot what did they do
0: yeah 28-3. what did they do 28-3.
2: oh my god they're gonna get roasted forever from us so anyway you know that uh, there, there, there's a lot of them in there man you just I love it I mean one time this is a this is a good one I just remembered I was doing a, I was on a musical director on Jay Leno's show Mm -hmm. And I was coming home just to come home. And they said, oh, Angela Hill from WWL found out she had a talk show, a midday show, and they filmed at the Superdome. And I said, boy, I have so many good memories of being in the Superdome, signing programs, going to games. And I walked into the Superdome. And when I saw the field, I don't even know what it was. I just had this kind of weird emotion. And uh, after the interview, I said, can I go to the front office? And they said, yeah, for what? I said, I want to buy season tickets. They said, don't you live in LA? They it don't matter. I want to buy. It. And <laughs> I bought three season tickets. And then I called my dad and said, look, man, I just got y'all season tickets. Y'all got to go to the game. And I said, why? I said, I don't know. I came in here and it just something. I can't even explain that feeling. I mean, that's like the essence of like the whole sp- sports to fan relationship. It's like, it's really indescribable. And I bought season tickets for my, for two of my brothers and my dad. And uh, I mean, I, you know, it's been a long time, man. You know, and, and that, that's the team for me. It ain't gonna change, you know. I lived in New York. He said, who you like, Giants or Jets? I'm like, shit, bite your tongue. <laughs> never, never, ever, ever.
1: Well well, where will you be watching Sunday's
2: game? Um, I will be at home in Raleigh, in Durham, in Durham, North Carolina. Uh, I have to go to Memphis on Friday. And I was supposed to stay until Monday. And then I realized when they won the game, I said, yeah, that ain't gonna happen. So I said, man, I can only <laughs> stay till about four o'clock on Saturday. And then I gotta hit, cause it's 11 hour drive from uh, Memphis to Durham where I live. So I mapped it out and I said, I'm gonna stay in Knoxville overnight. I'm gonna drive six hours, get up early, five hours. I'm going to get to town sometime 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning. Game until 4.30, I think it is. I'm good. I'm good. I'll be ready.
0: That is commitment right there. Uh, You know, I'm curious, when people think of New Orleans, they think not only New Orleans Saints, but obviously the culture, the music. What is it like you get to experience the the peak of New Orleans jazz, New Orleans music culture, but also experience the peak of New Orleans Saints fandom and loving everything that happens with the black and gold? What is that like to be able to fully, uh, you know, embrace both sides of it?
2: I this it's all the same thing to me. I mean, it's it's all I mean, growing up here is just so unique. It's so special because you I mean, I grew up before before mobile devices. So when I went away to college in Boston in 1979, I was on the plane going, I wonder what kind of gumbo they have, or you know, wonder what kind of. And I got there and I realized, you mean, yeah, they had chowder and the chowder is really good. They ain't no gumbo though. No. And they damn sure didn't have any jambalaya. They didn't have their own sausage. They didn't have no that They didn't have none of that stuff. They didn't have andouille. They their dialect. They didn't have those piles of different dialects like we have in Louisiana. The music thing. They didn't have any of that. They didn't have any local music really. And I I realized like uh, yeah, I'm I'm in the, the greatest American city. I'm glad to be from there. And the Saints are just part of it. I mean, you know, the Neville brothers. You, you think that there are a lot of great New Yorkers, you know, who have uh made careers in music. There are a lot of them. You know, uh like say Jay-Z, for instance, or uh, uh Man, I'm getting old so names escape me. This girl is on fire. Alicia Keys. Alicia Keys, yeah, there you go. They don't write songs about the Giants or the Jets or the Knicks. The Neville brothers did a who that song. I mean, come on. That's been this nice spot. I mean, it's all, we all, it's all, we all matched in there together. You know, it's all the same thing to me.
1: So Brantford, Now, if, if perchance the Saints happen to host the NFC championship game, or if things align and they get to Tampa uh, and play in the Super Bowl, uh, are you going to call up the NFL and say, look, I know we're not doing these, these anthems live, but I know a guy who can play it for you uh he he carries his horn with him i know nah
2: Nah, we're old now man it's just you know their their television audience they the i know just from from working on television the the audience they want is between the age of 18 and 30 or 35 or something like that and it don't include no 60 year old casual like me
0: but uh come
2: on you know i'm just telling you look you watch them games, you see who's up there singing and doing all that stuff It's all young people, and I get it it's part of the business they're, they're worried about eyes and, and getting people I and mean, if they ask, we'll do something, but I don't think that they would ask, and I'm okay with that i'm i i want I'm more interested in cheering for the saints you know i'm i'm that's what I want to do i mean it's just like a funny it's a funny thing because. When you're 25 and they're 25, it's like y'all. You feel like you're really like a part of the team because they're all your age. But now the majority of these kids are just—we have nothing in common. You know, (laughs) we got we got nothing in common. Like kids, you know. And it's just like I still cheer for them and I'm happy to see it. But it's like that thing is very different than it was when I was 25 and you know I was 30 and they were 25. Now I'm 60, man. So it's just the whole thing is different. But that's still my team. And I'm excited about the season. Uh, this has been, man, it's been a hell of a run we've had since, since post-Katrina. We can't complain. As fans, we cannot complain. I need, we've to, had I need you
1: good. to get, I need to get you to say that again and again and again. Oh, um, that ain't
2: going to stop him, J.D. On Twitter. <laughs> that ain't going to stop him. That ain't going to stop him. But if you think about what it used to be, I mean, a lot of, a lot of these younger people, they don't even remember the, the good old days when, you know, all we had was like Tom Dempsey kicking that field goal and, uh, a whole lot of losing. I mean, this has just been, all I've ever wanted as a fan is to believe that your team has a chance. And growing up here, we knew the team never really had a chance. We had one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the NFL and there was no team around him. I mean, it's, it's not fair. I mean, Archie, you know, that's why Eli wound up in New York. Cause Archie's like, I don't want you to go through in San Diego what I went through in New Orleans. And, uh, as a competitor, I totally understand that. I totally understand that. But this, this has been, man, this has been great. This has been great. You know, Mickey Loomis along with Sean, this has just been a great, the organization is just so great. We keep finding gems. It's almost like watching those Pittsburgh Steelers teams, except they keep finding these diamond in the rough wide receivers. And they keep fighting, you never, who are these people? Where'd they come from? I mean, Antonio Brown, nobody talked about him in college. Nobody talked about Juju Smith, Houston. And, and it's, we have that kind of system now where we're getting these people, you know, and, and I mean, it's great to, to, to be a fan with an organization like that. And uh, I know this is Drew's last year and uh, I don't blame him. I could tell after when he got hurt, when I saw the interview after he got hurt, I was like, yeah, that's it. This is it. Because when he got hurt last year, he didn't have that look. The look was just like, yeah, I'm too old for this. This is crazy, you know? And so I think, I really do think this his last year and I hope we come out on top. That would be great for him.
0: We all hope we, we come out on top, Brantford. Um, but before we let you go, you know, with COVID-19 impacting everyone, um, it's obviously impacted every community, especially the music community. I have to ask how this experience has been for you. And you talk about the young people who have to go through this. I mean, I'm seeing sports reporters now, you know, struggling for jobs because just nothing is available. So how have you seen it impact the music com- community? And, and what are some of the things that you've had to do? Sure
2: we played on uh we played on march 7th 2019 in toronto and we haven't played since and it's it's fine for me a lot of other people i'm in a different situation there's a lot of musicians where it's really hard because they weren't out there touring all over the place they were playing on the scene in new orleans or the scene in new york and yeah it's a struggle it's a struggle when you have to make especially in a city like New York where the rents like thousands of dollars a month 5 6000 dollars a month 3000 dollars a month it's it's been it's been really tough but for me personally uh i don't spend a lot of money so <laughs> i don't have like big debts or anything like that uh so i just haven't worked and uh you know my wife has been the breadwinner in the family and it's been great for me to say that. And they're like, well, honey, you're the breadwinner in the family. So whatever you say goes. And she's like, oh, this is so not funny. <laughs> but see, you know, it's been nice. I, I practice a lot. Uh, I read. I've been reading a lot more than, than I've been able to. Uh, I can even, like, read, you know. I can nerd out. I can watch, you know, JD's posts and tweets. I'm checking out yours. Is it
0: Carolyn or Caroline? It's Caroline. Thank you for asking. You.
2: Okay. Caroline. Yeah, I got you. It spells Caroline, but I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. so, you know, I I check you guys out, you know, all the New Orleans sports writers and, uh, you know, I'm always keeping abreast. It's fun to be able to do that and not have to be catching planes and getting up on four hours sleep and doing all that stuff that's gonna be happening to me again in 2022 and I know it will and uh, I'll be much older, so I'll see how I can hang with that. But, you know, this has been a a, a good time for, for, I've, you know, reflected a lot. I've been home more than I have in thirty years. It's been great. Yeah,
0: yeah. You live with
2: the rest of it because you can't change it. You just roll with it. It's a New Orleans thing anyway. We just roll with stuff.
0: Roll with it, baby. Um, well, one, I, thing
1: I found, one thing I found about being home as much as uh, I was initially is um, either either you, you'll get divorced quick or you'll spend <laughs> in marriage. So there you go, um, bro. I, you know she's still here. So I guess there you it go.
2: There you go. There you go
0: friend I actually lied. We're gonna I'm gonna ask you one more question because oh, uh, it's a
2: pandemic. Ask me whatever you want. I ain't got
0: nowhere to go. But time, right? Yep. <laughs> My favorite phrase of this pandemic is it's a pandemic because we all know what that means. Like it's a yeah. pandemic. You should be wearing your mask. It's a pandemic. I have nothing but time. All of those. I love it. Um, right. But. You know, earlier this year, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom came out. You got to work with the fabulous Viola Davis, Chadwick Boseman. That came out earlier um, in 2020. You were obviously the composer of that movie. I have to ask, how was it, how was it working with Chadwick and, and obviously your feelings surrounding his passing?
2: Well, it's, it, being that it was a movie about music, I got to work with the actors. Normally, I would have nothing to do with the actors. Mm. Uh, music is a post-production reality not a production reality and but because it was a movie, it's a movie about a blues band a singer and a band I kind of work with them in terms of choreography that's all it was they about uh, uh, how they had to stand how their fingers had to be all these kind of position things so uh, I probably spent by an hour total with 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 the guys in the gal Wow. And uh, they, I mean, they're great actors. They're fantastic actors. It was amazing watching the process. I was there for about two weeks of the filming and it was uh, it was unbelievable to watch. It was really a, a, a joy to be a part of, of that, you know? And uh, Chadwick was one of those great, he's just a great actor. Uh, it's like that thing that I think every actor would kind of dream of. He has this movie like, uh, uh, you know, Everybody knows Black Panther. Yeah. Everybody was walking around at every age saying, you know, find your inner Wakanda. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm good. That's not a real place. So but, but thanks for asking. You know, oh, why are you why are you acting that way? So he has this, this movie that made him wildly successful. But then the body of his work, when you when when I saw him uh playing Jackie Robinson in 42, I went, man, that guy's really good. Yeah. Then when I saw him playing James Brown and get on up, I'm like, this guy's a lot better than good because you can't get more divergent than Jackie Robinson to James Brown and he pulled it off. So his range was incredible. And now he's doing Levy and Levy's a complex character and he pulls it off with a uh, skill and intensity. It's, it's beautiful to watch. Uh, he's, uh, Black Panther is one of those movies where, I mean, his, his presence is so powerful that they had already finished the script for Black Panther 2 and then he died and they said yeah we're not even going to try there won't be a Black Panther 2 without Chadwick it's just something about the power of his presence and he was a fantastic actor and, uh, and, and we have lost we've lost Yeah, wow
1: well that's how we're going to wrap this podcast up um, again we appreciate you joining us uh, folks follow this man on Twitter because uh, he has a lot of fun on game days <laughs> um, and we're glad, he, we're glad he shared some of that fun with us. Uh, that, now that he knows what Twitter is, we're glad that he's on there.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. There you go. Imagine that, right? My, my kids hooked me up to it 10 years ago or something. Whatever. It's like, what the hell is Twitter? Oh, okay. This ain't bad. But that other stuff, Instagram and all that? No, thank you.
1: Yep. Yeah, we're going to be looking forward to, uh, to seeing him in New Orleans, hopefully in the near future. And uh, Brantford, hopefully uh, you and your family stay safe.
2: You too, bro. On the road you, too, you feel you like too, it.
1: Caroline. Yeah, sounds like sounds like you can get on the road when you feel like it, but get back on the road as soon as possible because oh, we we're ready. We're chomping at great the, music. We, yeah, we need you to bit. share that great music with the world, man.
2: Appreciate it, JD.
0: Thanks to Branford for joining us and taking time out of his day. Uh, I have a feeling, Saints fans, that's not the last time you'll be hearing from him, and that is the only clue. I will give you heading into this weekend. So let's go ahead and get into my conversation with Lance Moore. Joining us now on the New Orleans Saints podcast is Saints legend, Saints Hall of Famer Lance Moore. Lance, first of all, how you doing today? Happy New Year to you.
3: Happy New Year. Doing well. Just uh, plugging away and and trying to uh, pray that hopefully I'll get a vaccine soon so maybe I can move around and, hey, maybe I can come to a game. That would be great.
0: That would be awesome. I know uh, I saw Jermon Bushrod came last weekend with his son. Uh, Yeah, we need more Saints legends in the house to build up the atmosphere because I think that is the most sad part about this year is the entire game. You know, I love that it was on Nickelodeon and everything, but the entire game, I was just thinking, man, this game would be so much more fun if there were fans in the, in the stadium.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, I can imagine the feeling has been like that the entire year, but then for a game as big, as last week obviously being a playoff game and then this week being that Tom Brady and the Bucks are coming back into town for a chance to play in the the, uh, NFC championship game so it doesn't really get any bigger than this and um, what what are they saying are they saying 3,000 fans again?
0: I believe so I think it's going to stay at that especially with cases going up here in Louisiana everything's kind of a little bit more strict nowadays so yeah I think yeah
3: yeah I mean I, I understand that safety first and and you know, hopefully those 3000 fans will be nice and energized and, and oiled up and ready to go. I mean, it's an evening ish game. Um, so I'm sure they will be, you know, and, and the energy will be felt, I would imagine, um, around the stadium, maybe not as much in the stadium, but I'm sure fans will be out and about and, and you know, finding ways to, to kind of celebrate in the fact that we're playing for a chance to go to the NFC championship game.
0: Man, I'm so excited to get into some playoff talk. But first, uh, I have to ask you for I think it's weird that I just said new Happy New Year and it's January 13th. Like I think that that torch has been passed of Happy New Year. uh, So I apologize for that. But I have to ask, did you have any New Year's resolutions, anything that you've kept up until this 13 day mark? Because if you've made it this far, you're doing pretty well so far.
3: Well, I mean, it's it's not too late to be saying Happy New Year, seeing as this is the first time we've done this in the new year. So, right. Happy New Year is, I guess, well in order. Um, and for me, I, I I guess I feel a little different about resolutions. Um, and and I and I it, I mean, I don't really want to get too far into it, but I feel like if you need a change in the calendar year to make changes, then there's other issues going on, right? And and for me, it's not as much as a new year's resolution, but a new you type of resolution. So it's always about improving each and every year and getting better, but why do you need the new year to get better, right? Like you should be striving to be better each and every day and it shouldn't change, you shouldn't take a break in your uh, quest to be the best you. And that that's something that I try to live by being a better dad and a better husband, um, being better at how I diet or, or diet. I don't really diet, but how I eat, um, you know, try to get my workouts better, get in better shape. I mean, all the things that I'm doing, reading a little bit more, I mean, just trying to better yourself. That's kind of my idea about it. And, um, you know, sometimes people get discouraged because they don't see results right away. And, And I think that is the nature of, of, humans right like we we want things and we want them now and sometimes if we don't see those changes happening right away we lose focus or we quit altogether and um you know for everybody who's listening or watching or whatever I would just say keep working right keep working on trying to be a better you each and every day and you don't necessarily have to see those major leaps from day to day but they will happen over time if you continue you know in, in that trajectory so um not necessarily anything specific that I want to do in the new year, just to continue to try to be better and better each and every day.
0: I'm really uh, glad I slept in for my morning workout this morning. Where was that pep <laughs> talk? I needed that pep talk at 7am. Uh, but, but, but,
3: but,
0: but you know what? That's right.
3: You, you didn't wake up early, but you have plans to go and do it later. That's what right. it's all about. Right? Like you don't have to get mad at yourself or be hard on yourself because you wanted to sleep an extra hour or an extra 20 minutes. I mean, whatever it is, I have the same thing now. Like I'm waking up at five 30 every morning and I'm to the gym at six. And sometimes I wake up and I'm like, you know what? I'm just not feeling it. And I'm, I, I'll, I'll sleep in now. And maybe I'll go a little bit later. And usually I do, but you can't, you can't look at what everybody else is doing and say, dang, they're doing so much more than me. You do what you can do. And if you know, you can do more then you do more.
0: Comparison is the thief of joy right there. You heard it here first. Um, all right, so Lance, let's get into a little Saints talk here. First, before we get into Tampa Bay, I need to know your thoughts on Deontay Harris. Because Sean Baton talked all year about how they were trying to work. returner. He is so much more than that. Your reaction on his performance last week.
3: Well, I don't want to say I called it, but I remember when Deontay was uh, a rookie undrafted guy and I just watched the way he moved and I watched how he was in the return game. And this is in practice. And I'm like, they need to give him a shot. And I remember sitting in the meetings with the scouts and saying like, put him out there, Let, let him play. And I remember there was different reactions. Oh, he's a returner. Oh, he's a little, you know, he's a smaller guy. Maybe we don't want to put him out there too much. Um, but I can tell by how he is on punt return that he's got the ability to do exactly what he did last weekend. And I'm not saying that he's a guy that is going to have to do that every week, but to see it finally on film and for other teams to see it as well is big. It's huge for this offense. If somebody else, Now that has to be contended with somebody else that a defensive coordinator has to think of, man, how are we going to stop this guy? Or when this guy is in the game, it's not necessarily a gadget play or a long, deep shot play because that's what has been in the past, right? They put him in, they run reverses, they run, um, you know, the uh, Taysom Hill comes in and throws a long bomb to him last year in the playoffs. I mean, those were the type of plays that he's, he's had in the past but now to see him in the normal flow of the offense to get more and more opportunity to see the ball coming his way and him making plays and it looking natural i mean that is that is major i mean it's it's you you always talk about um, we always talk about how many weapons that Drew Brees has at his disposal but to add another one on offense i mean that is that is awesome. I mean, I I think I'm happy for him that he's getting the opportunity. I'm happy that he's making the most of the opportunity. Now, what it is is stacking them, right? He had one really, really good game. Basically, his coming out party as far as offensively goes. Now, let's see what he does this week
0: how much has that adversity that the Saints have had to face all season, week after week, you know, Drew being out, Michael Thomas being out, different receivers being out, Emmanuel Sanders, and guys like Marquez Calloway, Deontay Harris stepping up. How much has that adversity built this team for the long run in the playoffs?
3: Well, I mean, I think it's 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 immeasurable, right? You don't know. It's, it's going to be one of those situations that, there's gonna come some adversity in these games. Yeah, I say games, plural, obviously, because I'm <laughs> expecting us to win, yeah. but there's gonna be times when things get tight and things get tense and guys are really gonna have to lean and rely on each other. And a team that's been through as much as this team, I feel like we'll handle it kind of how they have all season, in stride, it's not a big deal, we'll handle it, we'll come together and we'll do whatever it takes to get through that specific bout of, of adversity. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that there's another team in the National Football League that has dealt with more craziness in a single calendar year even. I mean, it, it goes back obviously to the things that were happening in the off season. And I don't wanna dive into that too much, but <laughs> just you know, the, the way that this team is, has been able to respond the whole year, it's a credit to them, their character, the coaching staff, the organization as a whole, keeping everybody together and understanding the mission That's in front of them, right? The the mission is to win a Super Bowl and and nothing is going to get in the way of that. And they've been proving that this entire season and hopefully they continue to do that this weekend.
0: Well, that mission, like you said, continues this weekend, as we've heard from you and DeMario Davis. I love that word, you know, mission, because that's what it's been all season. Obviously they secured the NFC South first, now on to bigger and better things. So when you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Lance, obviously the Saints have won twice before, and these teams are so familiar with one another. So how do you find those advantages when you know these, the other team, the other opponents so well?
3: Well, I think, First and foremost, each of the games are different, right? So, so this isn't the first game of the season. This isn't week 11 or whatever it was down in Tampa Bay. Um, This is going to be a completely different game. I would imagine the game plans on both sides will be a lot different. I think it's advantage us because we've beaten them twice. Um, But we know that they're going to adjust, right? They're the ones that have to figure out a way to stop the offense. They're one that's going to have to figure out how to score more points and move the ball more effectively. Um, but I really, really think this is, this is the playoffs, So it's going to be a tighter matchup, right? There's more on the line. Guys are going to give even a little bit extra if they can out there. Um, I expect, you know, this Tom Brady game to be a, a, a one of his better ones, because usually, I mean, the playoffs kind of, he's been the best that we've seen. He's been okay. Um, yeah,
0: he's been all right.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, these are, these are his types of moments, but, um, again, like we've been saying, we, we've got bigger fish to fry. Like this, this isn't, the goal isn't just to beat Tampa Bay. The goal is to win a Super Bowl. So um, I know our guys will come in. They'll be focused. They're not going to, I guarantee you, they're not going to think just because they've beaten this team twice, that they're just going to lay down. They understand what's, what's at stake. They understand the talent and the ability that's on the other side of the field. They understand that the coach uh, Arians is, is going to have a game plan that would, Uh, potentially give these guys an opportunity to win it's and it's up to us to shut that down it's up to us to come out and say no this isn't happening we're going to do this again to you and we're going to send you home I mean that's that's the motivation um and and I know these guys won't take it for granted because you know if anything is the last three years in the playoffs has taught us is that don't take anything for granted go ahead and take care of your business and you know don't celebrate until the until the fat lady sends at the end of the game
0: Yeah, and and I want to get into that later because Sean Payton was talking about how this game is going to come down to playing every minute of all four quarters, but you talk about Bruce Arians, and he's 0-4 against the Saints over the last two years, so something to prove there, but we hear from Drew Brees and Sean Payton all the time, Lance, about ascending at the right time, and I kind of make a joke about it because they do the same hand motion every time, ascending at the (laughs) right time as they're going into playoffs, but it seems like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are doing that right now, especially with uh, Antonio Brown and Tom Brady finding their stride what improvements on offense do you think that they've made over the last few weeks
3: well I, I think they've protected the football a lot better first and foremost um they've gone to the play action game a lot more which for whatever reason has been a lot more effective for them um you know they've they've I feel like they've gotten a better familiarity with one another I mean obviously this is their first year altogether, together and, and um you know they're still Tom, at least, is still learning that offense and the little nuances of it. His receivers are making plays for him. Antonio Brown is finally looking like he's a major part of this offense. Um, it's this is this is going to be a tough task. I mean, I I'm not going to downplay it at all. Um, you know, I, I realize that this is a dangerous team, and if we don't play our best game, we will lose this game. I mean, this this isn't we're not playing the Chicago Bears, right? Because yeah. I I think. Nobody would, would come out and say the Saints played a perfect game last week, but we still found a way to win. We cannot do that this week. I don't think we have to play perfect, but we've definitely got to play better. Um, and again, all all of the matchups are different and you can throw the records out. It doesn't matter if Bruce Arians is 0-4 against the Saints in the last two years or not. This is the playoffs and this game is for all the marbles, at least, you know, for right now to go to the NFC championship game. So, I don't worry too much about statistics. I don't worry too much about records or anything like that because this game is unique in its, you know, in its own way and has nothing to do with what's happened in the past.
0: OK, so no records, no numbers, no stats or anything like that. How much does experience come into play when you're looking at this game, not only and obviously Tom Brady and Drew Brees, but an overall team? Because as I just mentioned, Sean Payton said this game is going to come down to who can play the hardest for every single minute until the fat lady sings.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I look at, you know, this Saints team has been here three years in a row, pretty much. I mean, obviously we lost in the in the wild card round last year, um, but. To to have four years in a row of playoff experience with a ton of guys that were around then I mean that is a big deal. But then you look on the flip side they got Tom Brady who's you know got every single quarterback playoff record there is and if anybody can help bring guys along that haven't had as much experience it's him so. I like to think that we have the advantage because overall we have more guys, but then again, they've got the greatest that we've ever seen in the playoffs. So I won't discount their overall lack of playoff experience um, based solely off of, you know, the, the guys that haven't played as much because they have a guy that has played as many games and has had as much success as Tom Brady.
0: Well, Lance, I could talk to you for hours about this, but last question before we let you go Uh, on Monday, our listeners heard from Pierre Thomas and he was talking about a group text that you guys have with Reggie. And he, you know, he was name dropping basically everyone as a humble brag, but I I have to know what that group text is like. Is it constantly going? Do you have to put your, you know, do not disturb mode on? Is it just like all day? Are you guys talking about golf? Like what is that group text like?
3: Uh, I mean, we kind of talk about everything and it usually gets a little more intense on game day uh there's actually a couple different group chats
0: I can imagine I can imagine
3: yeah like the the one that is I would say most intense on game days is with Pierre and Courtney Roby and Darren Sproles like that one the moment the ball is kicked like we're just constantly just texting 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 man what are they doing why are they doing this oh man I like that (laughs) like like fans I mean it's it's crazy um to think like you know obviously how how the times have changed and, and, you know, we talk about those things, but, you know, we, we were such a close group back then. And I see a lot of similarities with the guys, um, you know, on, on this team. And, you know, the, the, you know, previous couple of years, just the, the closeness and the tight bond that they have. Um, you don't, all, not all teams are like that, believe it or not. I mean, I, I would, I would go out on a limb and say most of the teams like one another, but to have a, a, the next level of love and care for one another and really understanding that, you know, the synergy is is what's gonna help you um, get through those adverse situations and really getting to know one another helps to kind of form that bond. And I see that with these guys and um, I'm sure 10, 15 years from now, you'll be talking to guys who are doing the same thing that we're doing. We're the old heads talking about these young guys. I'm sure they'll be doing the same thing and uh, it's awesome. You know, it's it's, it's really, cool to uh you know establish those relationships and then maintain them as well
0: yeah it's great to see that culture and I don't I don't think I'm going to be uh having access to Cam Jordan in the future he'll probably be on ESPN <laughs> or maybe hosting a Nickelodeon game you know you never know uh well Lance we appreciate your time so much always great insight and uh, hopefully next week we're talking about a Saints win
3: that's right we, we very well should and uh looking forward to this weekend thanks for having me
0: See, I told you two fantastic and extraordinary interviews with two fantastic and extraordinary guests, as promised. All right, that'll do it for the Wednesday edition of the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. We have much more in store for you later this week, so make sure you tune in to the Friday edition of the New Orleans Saints podcast. And if you heard me talking about Pierre Thomas and you're like, hold up, wait a minute, I didn't get to hear that interview. Have no fear. Everything, of course, is on demand nowadays. You can go onto iTunes or your Saints app and find that interview from Monday with Pierre Thomas. All right, Saints fans, that'll do it for the Wednesday edition of the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. From Caroline Gonzalez, John DeShazer, Grant Marsalis, and Lance Moore. Have a great Wednesday, and we'll talk to you later this week.